Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat to be here today. Today, we are blessed with the presence of Benjamin J. Harvey. Ben, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is such a treat to have you here. Okay, so there is a whole intro, and I will read it to you, but just before we get super started, let's just get into this, like, really why Ben's here. Ben's mission is to get everybody to live their love. Live your love, right? Does that sound familiar? Maybe. The mission of the Inspired Evolution is to live a life that's empowered with the love for life. As you can see, mine's a bit messier because his is nice and tight and clean and simple because he's been at this for a lot longer. So really an honor to have you here, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, Ben's helped tens of thousands of people craft a life filled with purpose, passion, and love, um, regardless of where they've come from. He's worked with people that are fully business-oriented, some people that are like, you know, fully energetic work-oriented. Um, he dances a really interesting space in that as well, like just how he serves communities from all different backgrounds. Um, but, you know, this uh, prevalently present individual that's doing so much for the world um, wasn't always in this situation. Um, reading into the story a little bit, uh, almost over 100 or over hundred grand in debt at some point, over 120 kilograms at a certain point, and as he describes it, depressed and directionless. But the thing that turned it around, which I'm a big, you know, just hey, yeah, yeah, for, is that it was about $18,000 worth of education that he invested in himself that completely changed the trajectory of his life, got him out of debt, cleared his depression, and he spent the next 20 years on a mission traveling around the world, right? 
And the mission basically was focused around what is my life's purpose? What is the quickest way to get there? I love that. Let's get biohacky. And what is the truth? Um, and in and around that, he's basically, <laughs> he's helped different makers all over the world transform their lives by helping them discover what is their message, organize and systemize that message. And together, his mission is to reach 72 million people with this message that you can actually live your love. So I'm hoping that we can add some more grains of sand to that mission here today <laughs> welcome brother thank you so much i'm excited to be here man this is cool <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you know like the individual that goes let's go straight deep into it because i know i could you know like we could warm to this but i don't think that's the energy nah, of either no of us warming, yeah, no, no, no warming <laughs> so um what's the go you were struggling with debt you were overweight you were as you put it depressed and directionless you know what like what was leading into that and then what was the nexus for change yeah well for me i think uh I mean, everybody's got a, a story a hard luck journey you know mine's no better or worse than anybody else's uh but certainly when i was a young kid i went through some a pretty intensive uh sexual abuse and that really sort of screwed my mind up quite a bit and uh, for many, many years, I was very confused about life, what, what the meaning was, why is it so messed up? And, and that just sort of started to, I guess, split my mind up a little bit and made me quite confused. And so that all happened when I was about six years of age. And uh, certainly by about the age of 15, my, my brain was just broken. It was, in all, it was all over the place. You know, you, you kind of fragment your mind to protect yourself. And I mm. ended up uh, being one of these people that's always really happy-go-lucky around everybody. But uh, when I was on my own, I was deeply, deeply depressed about life. And you know, I spent a lot of my time thinking that I was the only person on the planet that had ever been abused. You know, I, I, I actually thought that this thing was unique to me. No one else had ever experienced it. And so I isolated myself and I started to I really think that I wasn't uh, from planet Earth. You know, I started to think that there's something different. There's something wrong with me. And uh, by about the age of 20, my mind just sort of really began to disintegrate. And I was seeing a lot of psychiatrists and, and psychologists and getting help. And uh, in 1997, I actually ended up getting admitted into a psychiatric ward. And I spent about four and a half months in there. And uh, for the next five years, I went in and out of these psychiatric wards, just uh, so it's a little bit of time outside, then I'd, my mind would break down again, I'd go back in. So I spent maybe, I don't know, 14 months of my life inside a psych ward, trying to get my head screwed back on again. Uh, and it was quite, quite a traumatic experience. Um, obviously, they let me out today to do this interview, which is good. Uh, <laughs> 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 this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than the others because I have to be back within the <laughs> hour. <laughs> I a special jacket for me, and I'm going to get to the point. I mean, I joke about it now, obviously. I've, I've done a lot of healing on it, but it's it's an intense journey for anybody. And I mean, going into psych wars, there's a lot of shame and guilt that came with that. And uh, you know, if someone was to ask me, Ben, what are you more ashamed of being sexually abused by a man when you're a kid, or being locked in a psych ward, I have to say being locked in a psych ward, I'm more ashamed of. Mm. And so I got trapped, my whole world got trapped under a, a veil of shame and guilt. And so everything I wanted to be in life, it, it could not be expressed because I just couldn't handle the thought of one day um, people finding out, you know, I, I didn't want anyone. So how can I put myself out there? How can I make a difference? <laughs> because at some point people are going to find out. And when they find out, 
they're not going to want to know me because I'm the only person in the world that's ever had this happen. And so it was this very strange journey. I think I find that a lot working with people. We talk a lot about this concept called untransmuted grandiosity. And untransmuted grandiosity is the fact that every human you ever meet has remarkable greatness stored inside them, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been transmuted yet. And I think what we love doing is we love um, transmuting that greatness in people. And what I've found, I mean, we've had, I don't know, tens of thousands of students. I think we're up to about 50,000 students have been through our programs. And what we've found is that almost every human being's greatness that I've ever seen is stuck underneath a veil of shame and guilt. And people don't realize that if they were willing to become vulnerable, willing to surrender and willing to dive through that shame and guilt, they will find just the most remarkable experience of life just waiting for them. Their, their greatness. There's a saying out there that, that says, when you find a person's wound, you find their worth. Mm. And uh, everyone's wanting to, um, you know, everyone's wanting to, to live their love and to do what they love. But they don't realize that what they truly love in life is often has been given value by the, the traumas and the experience that they've been through. So uh, for me, it was a journey of being able to dive through that shame and guilt and then step forward along the path. And now obviously I'm sharing my story everywhere I go. I don't have any shame and guilt around it. I'm telling your 30 plus thousand listeners right now who I've probably never met. Um, but, uh, but that's the journey. But during that time, I got heavily medicated from 1997-2005. I was labeled by five psychiatrists as bipolar or manic depressive. You know, it's the same thing. Uh, they, they said that I had borderline personality disorder and I was pretty much told for the rest of my life I'd have to eat lithium three times a day, Zyprexa twice a day, and, and Valium. And so <clears throat> I was eating heavily medicated for five and a half years. I was, you know, day, zonked out by the medication, completely aimless, unemployed long term on the dole. And, uh, and I got, as you mentioned, I got up to, you know, well over 100 kilos in weight. And, yep. and I was just struggling all around. And, uh, I know this is not the nicest thing for your listeners to hear, but this is the, the reality of my story. My, one of my best friends from school um, in 2002 committed suicide. And uh, just, I don't know what happened. I don't know why it was that thing that shook me, but that just woke me up. You know, this guy was also heavily medicated. He was really sick. And, and I thought, fire out. If that's what happens to that guy, you know, what the heck am I doing? And that was kind of my wake-up call. Like that was the moment that I decided to wean myself off my medication, to start learning about meditation, start learning about transformational tools, start learning about energy healing, start learning about mindset. And uh, funnily enough, I found what I love doing, which is um, educating and coaching. And from 2002 until this day, I've never touched a single piece of psychiatric medication. I've never had a manic episode. I've never been um, uh, manic. I've never had delusional episodes. I mean, all that stuff just vanished. So it's very difficult to tell me that a human being who does what they love doesn't almost instantaneously re- re- remove a significant number of symptoms from their life because most symptomology in people's lives is just feedback. That they're not doing what they love. And so for me, I just really just understood quite deeply that um, all the stuff, I mean, you know, I meet people and there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People who have, you know, some people grind their teeth to let them know that they're not doing what they love. You know, some people get eczema, some people overeat. Some people uh, get nervous around people. Some people get anxiety. You know, I just happen to, to give myself, the way I look at it, you know, I just happen to destroy my brain and make myself manic to, to wake myself up. And so I found that uh, when I finally got on track and started doing what I love, it was, it was the most remarkable thing. My brain no longer had to give me feedback. It no longer had to tell me that I'm not on, on purpose. And so I love being able to help people just come to that realization. You know, you see people, they get on track and everything changes. Their health improves, their mindset improves, their sleep improves. So you know, love really is the key. Doing what you love is, it, it is the key. You know, that's the, that's the thing. So I just love that. I love helping people with that. So that's my whole life, man, in three and a half, four minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you, brother. That was, um, yeah, I really appreciate you not holding anything back. That is really deep, really deep. And um, I think it does speak volumes to how much you have resolved in your own system. Um, just, you know, like being able to share that story so candidly and, and with bits of humor. Peppered through it. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with it. You know, I think a lot of people are really struggling with the concept. And for me, you know, all the traumas in my early childhood, uh, quite early on, it led me on a trajectory of trying to self-medicate. You know, a lot of people out there uh, are trying to work out ways how to deal with the pain. You know, I was trying to deal with the pain of abuse and the, the pain of just not understanding life. And so, uh, I mean, that led me to a very addictive lifestyle during my teenage years. And, and that, uh, you know, it, it really does, all these things sort of have an impact. And at the end of the day, everyone's trying to get back to a place of love and presence. And we all do it a variety of different ways. So, you know, the struggle's real for people out there. There's a lot of suffering. Yeah. So there is a whole list of things. And, you know, those that, <laughs> you know, Ben is sitting here, he's, he said, you know, a lot of education. He's being quite humble as he says that. There's a lot. And I've got half a mind to read out. Like there's a whole website page on his website dedicated to this, but we'd be here for the, the episode would be over and I'd still be reading out the qualifications that he's got. When he talks about like having done like researched and like actually learnt, like there's Reiki in there, there's NLP, there's coaching, there's neurological repatterning, there's so many different things from all these different walks of life that, you know, I think um, you touched on it lightly, but obviously you're, you're being quite humble in that space as well. You've learnt a lot along the way to be able to support the people that, you know, you care so much about. Um, I think it would almost be uh, remiss for me to not mention that, you know, obviously being on a similar journey um, with a similar mission, um, I, I definitely have found a similar vein to what you're describing. And I love the way you described it, which is that, you know, when you, when you find the wounds, you find the worst. Consistently having these inspirational people come on and share their stories, I've found that the bigger the challenge, you know, your biggest challenge unveils your biggest gift, you know, and that's how I've been articulating it, but it's exactly yeah. what you shared, you know? And, um, so that really, really hit home and I feel really connected to that. Um, yeah, sometimes almost at like, okay, do I need to take that off even? <laughs> it's like, no, there you're healing in you go, mate. Um, but, um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that, you know, you touched on that 
I, yeah, just am frothing on, I'm just going to use that word is, you know, the idea that what I've really found, I've been on a personal journey of health. You know, it was always like, first it was the gym for nine years and then it was like, oh, okay, my nutrition needs upgrading, became a vegetarian, lent into becoming a vegan. I was like, oh, that's not the be all end all. And then kept experimenting with all these things in and around my health. My biggest challenge was depression for sure, but it was mental health, um, struggle with that. But then I was always trying to look after my physical health and, and what like after about 10 years of just rattling around and looking at all these different aspects, it came back to, I've got to do what I love, you know, and like, it sounds so like out there, but like now that's the message that I'm like harboring, which is, you know, like cultivated by people such as yourself. Like I attended a seminar of yours a couple of years ago and, you know, it basically that has helped infuse the message, which is like made the realization, which is, I can't have my green juice smoothie. I can't do my yoga, go to the gym and, you know, like walk the dog and go for treks every other weekend, but hate where I spend eight to 10 hours a day. Totally. <laughs> now people are doing this all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> now, I have to crack this joke that, you know, everybody, I, mean, I always interview people and I ask questions always. And, and I always say, you know, who wants, who really wants to love themselves? You know, raise your hand if you'd like to love yourself. And everyone raises their hand. And then, and then I basically just say, all right, I want you to imagine this scenario. Imagine you've just woken up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know what? I want to tell you that, that I love you. You know, I love you to people. You, you are the love of my life. So you tell yourself that you love yourself. And then you say, look, to prove how much I love you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive down the road and get stuck in traffic for 20 minutes to go to a job that I absolutely hate. I'm going to be miserable for eight straight hours. I'm going to make someone I don't even like rich. I'm going to stare at the window bored out of my brains. I'm going to hate on myself the entire eight hours. Then I'm going to get back in my car, get stuck in traffic, be miserable. And by the time I get home, I'm going to be so tired because I'm so miserable. I'm going to fall and sleep on the couch, get up, eat really quickly, and then crash out because I love you. And I wanted to prove that to you. So here's how I'm going to do it. And people don't get <laughs> the only way a human can love themselves is by doing what they love. There's no other way. You, you can't trick the system. You can't say you love yourself, but do what you hate because it doesn't make any sense. And so everyone's going to ashrams or they're doing these pilgrimages or they're meditating. All those things are wonderful, but they don't realize none of that leads to self-love unless you love ashrams, unless you love pilgrimages, unless you love meditation. So meditation gives you a balance of mind, but it doesn't help you love yourself unless you love meditating. Now, I happen to love meditating. So when I meditate, I'm expressing my love for myself. So it's really important that people start to learn that until you do what you love, it's impossible to love yourself, truly. Because if you loved yourself, you'd be doing what you love. That's the simple fact. Yeah, you articulate it so profoundly. And I love that story. It really, really helps bring into stark light, like contrast where things are at. So the relationship between doing what you love and that's just another i guess synonymous with your purpose right that's what we're talking to yeah 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 so in terms of like because i often have this conversation directed my way and i'd love to direct it your way which is you know how does one in like directionless purposeless feeling directionless and purposeless um start to walk towards finding their purpose a couple of things. First of all, I think it's really important that people um, let go of the idea that purpose is one thing and uh-huh. start to allow it to be many things. Because if I said to you, you've got to pick one thing and you've got to get this thing right, the, the pressure already prevents the, 
the actualization of the vision. So it's important that people realize that purpose is many things. You know, your purpose can be your love of swimming while you also enjoy your one-on-one coaching, but you also love reading a book and you also love this. And so it's just open up, first of all, that it can be many things. And then eventually work out that those many things will come in a hierarchy and you'll work that hierarchy out eventually. But what I've learned out of all of this, there's questions you can do, there's profiling systems, there's a thousand ways to work out what your values hierarchy is. One of the things that I'm a big fan of is understanding that if our mind is designed to assist us to do what we love, which it is, then it has to work out a way to tell us when we're doing what we love and when we're not. So what we know about the mind is the mind doesn't need to talk to you if you are doing what you were born to do. Because if you're doing what you're born to do, then you don't need to be disturbed. You're already doing the thing you're meant to be doing. So the whole brain can relax and no feedback is required. So here's what I know about purpose. When you gravitate towards an activity of any description and you notice that that activity brings even the slightest level of silence to the mind more than any other activity, then that activity is already showing you that it is part of your purpose. So my recommendation always is to make sure that you pay attention to things that bring the mind silent. So I give this example. Let's just say you love surfing. You absolutely love surfing waves, right? You'll notice that when you catch a wave on your surfboard and you're on that wave and you're in that state of flow, your whole mind is quiet. You're not thinking about the washing. You're not thinking about your mates. You're not thinking about Facebook. You are in the zone, fully present to the here and now. Now, that tells us that you must love surfing. You get another person, you give them a paintbrush and some paints and they start painting and their whole mind goes silent. So what I know is if people just begin to gravitate towards what silences the mind, they'll be able to find their purpose. Now, here's the thing. I don't like cleaning at all. I mean, I hate it. I can't stand it at all. So you ask me to go and clean a bathroom, I will have mental illness for the entire time I'm cleaning the bathroom. I will have erratic thinking. I'll have depressive thoughts. I will be down on energy, the whole thing. But you ask me to jump on an interview with you and have a chat, then I'm in the zone. I'm in the pocket. I'm not thinking right now. I'm just here fully present. So think of it this way. Think of your purpose as presence. So if you observe the things that allow you to become present with no effort, you've found your purpose. And it can be 15 things that do that. Mm. And if you find 15 things that make you present, then clear out your diary and just start doing those 15 things. And if one of those things is able to generate an income or multiple are able to generate an income, then that's, that's cool too. But gravitate towards the things that silence your mind and you will have found your truth. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Really. Thank you. And so, you know, you travel the world now supporting people on finding, you know, helping activate their purpose, finding their rhythm. Um, I think even in this conversation for those listening in, it's a beautiful energy to really feel into. I can feel it here and now that it's not feeling weird that you are a, a spiritual guide in a way, and also a business mentor in another way. But realistically, if we were outside of this conversation, I wrote those two dot points down on the same page. You'd be like, huh? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so For sure. Yeah, can you talk to that a little bit in terms of like just yeah, the, yeah. I think it's a big one, you know. I think I, I, don't, I don't want this comment to come across disrespectfully. Mm. And it probably is going to come across disrespectfully, but I don't mean it this way. People are constantly following other people 
And these people are telling them to give up all their material wealth and all their material assets and that money is not relevant and all this sort of stuff. And, and these people are telling them from multi-million dollar buildings that they funded by people giving them all their money, right? <laughs> so so it, it's kind of a bizarre concept where these people have been convinced that there's something wrong with being financially successful because we've been told by people who are ridiculously financially successful not to have financial success. And, you know, you talk to the Deepak Choppers of the world, you talk to the Wayne Dyers of the world, you talk to the Louise Hayes, you talk to all of them, they're all going to tell you that abundance is your birthright. Abundance is one of the most spiritual gifts you can ever give yourself. And abundance comes in many forms, and one of those forms is money, you know. And at the end of the day, if people woke up to the fact that money is just another form of love, and, and if they really let that click, then they'll understand what's going on here. And everybody shows love in a variety of different ways. And one of the ways you can show love is by buying people nice things, by doing things with your love in the form of money. And so for me, the bigger, because I came, for me, I, was, I came from a spiritual background into a business world. So I didn't do it vice versa. And so I struggled with that dichotomy. You know, how can I be spiritual and wealthy at the same time? And it was, I mean, it was just, it was impossible because it was two separate worlds in my head. Mm. And I remember one day I'm sitting down and I've been doing all this work on wealth because even though I don't want to be wealthy, I'm constantly studying wealth, right? I'm going to all the wealth workshops and doing everything I can because, because I know I'm not meant to be wealthy, but I really want to be wealthy, right? Um, <laughs> because at the end of the day, for me, it's all about freedom. So for, for me, my highest value in life is freedom. Nothing like that is number one. And I know that money provides the freedom of options of choice and how you work and when you work and what you do. And so Makes until sense. people master the area of money in their life, then they are a slave to money, whether they like it or not. Whether they spend a lot of it or not, money will tell them what they wear, what they eat, where they live, how they travel, where they mm. stay when they're on holidays. It, it's all of that. So um, I'm working away at it. And then I remember I'm sitting there one day and I'm trying to understand what the heck money is. And I realized that I get a lot of clients that come up to me and they say, oh, Ben, you know, I just wish my parents loved me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So your parents don't love you? What's the evidence? Oh, well, Ben, you know, they never, they never hugged me growing up. I said, oh, yeah. What did they do? Oh, well, Ben, you know, it's really weird. I'd come home and they've bought me all these presents, you know, or um, on my birthday, they'd, they'd, they'd get the jumping castles or we'd go away on holidays and they'd, they'd, they'd get the best holiday uh, hotel for me, but they never actually gave me a hug. And, and I can't help but sit there and look at these people and say, wait a minute, just stop for a second. That money that they earned to do all that, they had to use their energy for that. They had to go to work. They had to save that money. Then they have to make a decision to give that to you, you know, to, 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 to spend that on you. And so I soon worked out that money really is a transference of love just in another form. And when this clicked for me, I realized that I can express my love in multiple ways and people can express their love to me in multiple ways. And one of those ways is money. And that was the moment that everything popped for me. And ever since that day, because I, I was in debt since I was 14 years of age, until April 23, 2012, I've been in debt since I was 14, in debt, had a minus net worth. And uh, it was in 2012 when I got this epiphany that far out, money's just love. Oh my goodness, what the heck have I been telling myself? And everything turned around. So I think, I think a lot of people out there who are you know, conscious beings and they're wanting to be abundant, they first have to understand that money is just a form of energy and, uh, and it's a transference of love. And when that clicks, then 
they can have both and they can realize that this is why all the gurus are saying that abundance is uh, a spiritual experience, a spiritual endeavor. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much for unpacking that for us. That was, um, yeah, really, really helpful. I think a lot of, um, just a lot of people on that journey, like, and like you said, you know, you came from, from a more spiritual way coming into the business, um, coming more into the business. I think a lot of people are bridging from the other side into that, that spiritual space as well, because I look at, I take a look around it that like, I used to question this a little bit is like, are there more and more organic stores now? Or am I just becoming more attuned to the fact that, you know, but that they're like organic is a way of being and there are more and more people doing eco business, conscious businesses and stuff like this, um, which for me highlights that, you know, there is a shift that is coming. Have you like noticed any different trends in terms of people's growth and development? Do you feel optimistic about the future, about where things are headed with people finding their purpose? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of reports out there that show that the world is significantly better than it used to be. Right. So if we watch the news too much, it's obviously skewed and swayed, but there, there, there are books out there that actually just reveal, reveal the facts and the facts are we're healthier. We're living longer. There's less violence. There's less this. So if people know the facts, it's very difficult to not be optimistic about the future because we're all living organisms and whether we like it or not, we're made up of biology and that biology has cells in it and cells just tend not to give up their reason for existence. And so whether we like it or not, we evolve and we evolve to live longer, to experience more, to uh, be better versions of ourselves. And so there's always an auto correction process to the human race that you can't stop. You know, so you're observing that, uh, people are becoming more aware of the environmental impacts of certain types of foods that we consume. And we're now watching the whole world slowly sway towards, uh, you know, meat-free burgers and uh, more healthy organic, uh, you know, versions of eating and so on. So we can already observe that the world corrects itself. So I, I think to not be optimistic about the future is, of, is to not know the facts that we are actually getting better. And so it's very easy if we get stuck in a certain stream on a Facebook news feed or if we get stuck in a certain type of news that we read or we read the wrong magazine, it's very easy to be pessimistic. But if people knew the actual facts, you, you have to be optimistic because the evidence is clear. We're getting better. <laughs> I love that. And so I would like to ask a question which is um, I'm going to give my best shot at asking it. It goes along the lines of you know, having the work of – I know a big part of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what really inspires me to keep going is just the potential to inspire people to live on purpose from that. Oh, here we go. This is the part where I struggle to articulate just that, that inner shine, that inner glow, that inner way of free flowing energy. Let's put it that way. Just being free to be yourself doing what you love. Um, I'm totally inspired by that because of just, it just feels like the greatest lever ever, <laughs> if I can use that terminology. Um, does that resonate? Like, what is that in your yeah, experience? Yeah. For sure. I mean, I think that's how we're meant to live, you know. I think, uh, like, if we really dialed it back, there's a saying out there that I really like. And the saying is, if you're a business person, uh, stop asking what the market needs and start looking for things that make you come alive. Because what the market needs is more people that have come alive. And so at the end of the day, if we were to drill purpose down 
and really answer the question right now for everyone who's listening in, what is my purpose? I'm going to tell you, it's, it's very simple. It's to be alive. <laughs> that, that's, that's why you came here. Like it's called life for a reason. You actually came here to be alive. That is it. There is no more karmic contract than that. That's it. There's nothing else to it, right? We're in this thing called life and you've come here to be alive. So uh, it's important that people just gravitate to things that make them feel alive, things that make them feel fully alive, electrified alive. And while they're alive, their mind is fully present. And, and that, I mean, that's the purpose of everybody to live from that space. And people just confuse it. You know, I remember listening to an audio of Alan Watts and he just said it. He said it so clearly. He's just like, you know, the purpose of life is to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. Smash it in one. Alan was great. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you make it so simple. Totally. totally. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a whole piece in there. Um, I know a lot of the work that you do um, is like even coming to see you talk live is, is really illuminating because there's a lot of truth and, I think one thing that I've been learning on this journey of mine is that the truth is always simple. Yeah, for sure. And I think you speak to that a lot in terms of even the courses that you offer, like whether they're business or whether otherwise, they're very straightforward offerings that you have, trying to simplify everything down for people. Yeah, I mean, well, I... Because that abuse happened when I was in six years of age and, and that was the stage where you normally start to learn. Mm. And so when my brain fragmented, I didn't really learn correctly. So I had major learning disabilities all the way through school and I was severely dyslexic. So I, I didn't read, I, no, I, in the whole of my time at school, I read two books. So from third grade to year 12, I only ever completed two books, Taronga Zoo and a book called That Was Then, This Is Now. They're the only two books that I read, had nothing to do with any of my academic studies, but um but I realized that because I couldn't read, I had to work out another way of analyzing and, and understanding things. And I soon started to realize something about the brain. And that is that if we operate from a lower part of our brain or a lower level of consciousness, we tend to value that which is complicated. So our brain, if we operate from you know, down at the base of our brain stem uh, in the hindbrain region, if we, if we spend a lot of time processing the world through that part of our brain, that part of your brain likes things to be complicated and hard to work out because the harder it works, the more valuable it thinks it is. Mm. So if I go and spend $500 on, a, on, a, on an online program, no matter how simple that program is, I will make it complicated to justify my $500 spend if I'm using a lower part of my brain. Mm. But people who elevate their consciousness to a higher part of their mind and they go up into the neocortex or the front of their forehead where the brain starts to see how pieces fit together, that's when people start to value simplicity. And so what I recommend always to people out there is learn to reward when your brain has found the simplicity in something. And the more you can train your brain to reward simplicity, the more it starts to default to look for the simplicity in anything. Because, I mean, Einstein's, one of Einstein's quotes is, any fool can make something more complicated, but it takes genius to simplify. And so for me, what I'm a big fan of is always saying whatever is simple is the most valuable. And people just unfortunately default the other way. They want big, thick, complicated books so they can have a good reason why they're not doing something. I know I want to get into business, but look how complicated it is. I want to be great at health, but look how complicated it is. I'd love to start meditation, but look how complicated it is. 
but uh, you know, you'll soon realize as, you, as you've worked out in your own life that everything in life has a simple model that governs it. And when you find that simple model, everything can unfold and you can get the results you're looking for. I love that. When you talk about getting the results you're looking for, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I think a poignant fact that I'd like to come home to is, you know, I see you as someone that's embodying, you know, truth, love and purpose and, you know, sharing that message onwards. Um, but how, like, can you run us through a little bit about perhaps, you know, the journey of realizing that yes, truth, yes, simplification, yes, love, yes, purpose, but then finding your way of offering that to the world that is in the most, like, a palatable manner for the world to receive that, you know, like obviously the business, um, setting up a business, um, but then also realizing that, okay, in order to simplify, people are going to need simplified business coaching um, in order to need purpose. You know, they're going to need, um, you know, maybe they need to sh- share a message and it's going to be simplified speaker training. All these different things that you offer, you know, they seem to dance around these core values of yours, which are truth, love and purpose. But in terms of finding those offerings and create, creating that and crafting that all together, um, and was that always super simple? Yeah, well, I think uh, for the people out there, you can always find shortcuts to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I always recommend with people, apart from that whole idea of gravitating towards what makes your mind silent, I mean, that's the overarching idea, but it, it's not a necessarily practical approach, right? So you can start to pay attention to things that make your mind silent. But for example, if we're looking to find our own truth, the fact is that we allocate time to the things that we, we love anyway. And so one thing that I often do with people that I meet that are you know, trying to work out, how do I find my truth? How do I find my purpose? How do I work out what I love? Um, I mean, for me, it just generally starts with a very basic question. And I say, look, if I attach a dictaphone to your shirt, like just stuck it to your shirt and I hit record and we recorded you for six straight months, everything that ever came out of your mouth, we recorded for six months. And then we got that recording and we sent it off to a team of analysts. And the analyst's job was to analyze what you spend the most amount of your time talking about. What are they going to find, right? Pretty soon they'll tell you, ah, I talk about my kids all the time. Ah, I'm always talking about mindset. Ah, I just love kinesiology. Ah, it's all about marketing. Ah, I just love talking about my garden. Great. So what we can quite quickly work out from people is that the things that they love they won't be able to stop themselves talking about because we do want to feel alive. We do want to be inspired. And so if we're in a conversation, we're going to try and angle that conversation towards a very specific topic or set of topics. And those topics tell us very quickly what it is that we want to do. And we call this thing the values track. So the first thing is what you want to talk about. So, so just imagine you've got a dictaphone attached to you for six months. What are the things you talk about? Put them in order. You know, what are your top three? Work out the top three that you talk about the most. The next thing is if we go to your bookshelf or we check out your uh, subscriptions, your podcast that you listen to, you know, uh, we check out what it is that you research. So when you're going to go to a seminar, what seminars do you pick? When you're going to go to a bookshop, what books do you buy? When you're buying a subscription, what subscriptions and so on. And again, if we looked at you for the last six months, we looked at all your, your spend on your credit card, spend in your bank account. When it comes to research, what are you investing the most amount of money and time into? And it's clear we'll find it. We, we, you can't stop people researching stuff. Now, they may say, oh, Ben, I spend eight hours at work. And I say, great. But when you get home you, and you get on the computer, what's the first website you go to? What are you wanting to know more about? 
when you get home, what are you inspired by? Did you want to learn a little bit more about a horse or something? Did you want to learn more about riding a unicycle? Did you get home and straight away Google uh, polit- polit- uh, political environments in uh, Ecuador or whatever? I don't know. What did you, you know, what did you Google, right? What did you research? What did you read about? What were you listening to on the way home? And so that's the R, the research. The, the next thing that I look for is the improvement of ability. So everyone has abilities that they act upon. You know, everyone's trying to upskill. Everybody left to their own devices will upskill something. So some people go rollerblading because they want to get better at rollerblading. And they love the fitness, but they also love the rollerblading. Some people might get home and do Sudoku. Some people might pick up a guitar. I mean, for me, when I get home, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I, I just like to practice presenting. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, I play with my kids. I hang out with my family, of course. For me, if I've got time on my own, though, and I've got some time spare, I'm either meditating or I'm imagining myself presenting or I'm practicing presenting. I mean, that's, that's, that's all I do. So, so it's, it's really clear that I'm constantly wanting to upskill a certain thing. I'm acting, and we call that the, the A is act. So what skills, what skills improvement do you love to act upon? As in when you've got half an hour spare at night, what do you jump up and just start getting better at? Or you know, what is the activity that you're inspired by? The next thing I found out is that a lot of people, they just vague out and they contemplate stuff. So they're, they're sitting around and they're just, they're just contemplating, you know, like they go to the beach, they're hanging out, but in their mind, they're imagining something. Mm. And so the C is really what people contemplate. So, so what do you spend a lot of your time contemplating? So if we, if we recorded the internal dialogue in your head, you know, what, what are you contemplating most of the time? And then the last one is pretty simply, you know, what do you know a lot about? People spend a lot of time learning about stuff and, and just what, what is the most amount of information? And so by running people through a values track quite quickly, we can identify the top three or four things that they do love. And then once all that's identified, it's a matter of helping them bust through the fear of the safety of being comfortable and not doing what they love. You know, mm. there's, a, um, there's a great uh, quote that I uh, saw on Instagram uh, recently. I just, um, what was that quote? What was the quote? What was the quote? What was the quote? What was the quote? Let me see if I can find it here, buddy. I don't think. Oh, here we go. The lust for comfort murders the passions of the soul. That is my amazing poets of all time. The lust for comfort murders the passions of the soul. And that's just the reality, you know. What, here's the thing. Everybody knows what they love. Every, every person I've met knows what they love. They all say, Ben, I don't know what I love. They do know. They're just afraid to admit it because when they admit it, they've got to admit that they're scared of actually going for it. Mm. And they, they won't give themselves permission to do it. So it's easy to say, I don't know what I love because if I say that, then no one's going to challenge me to go and do my thing. But if I tell you what I love and I'm not doing it, then I'm going to get the challenge. And I don't want the challenge. I want to just have this comfortable life. Yeah, that comfort is, uh, yeah, I couldn't have put it any better. Or the Khalil Gibran, <laughs> how do you follow that? <laughs> yeah, incredible. But I think that was, um, that was what my next question was going to be centered around is like, you know, that, how do you move from that safety into what you love? I mean, oh, I'll tell you, it's hard. It's really hard because, and it's just the reality. People are just surrounded by guilts, you know. We're, we're, we're guilted into everything. If I go and do what I love, then my friends are going to make me feel guilty for not hanging out. If I, 
go and do it with my love. My family's going to make me feel guilty. Or my friends, her parents, my this. So, so there's always someone that we feel that we might be guilty to if we don't go and do what we love. And so, I mean, it is, it's, I'm just going to say it's tricky. It's, it's a tricky thing. How do I recommend people do it? I recommend they just take small steps and lots of them. And I recommend that their purpose becomes like someone you're trying to date, you know, you're not trying to marry anyone right off the bat. So just start going for some dates, you know, spend a weekend. If, if you happen to love gardens, spend a weekend at a gardening course, you know, then buy another gardening book. Then ask your boss if you can get a four day a week job and, you know, spend the fifth day gardening and then eventually just sort of ease your way into it, you know, date it for a little bit because it's very hard to really fall in love with something until you've actually gone on a couple of dates. And this is another reason that people get stuck with their purpose. They're thinking their purpose is love at first sight. You know, oh, I know what it is now. I'm going for it. But that's not the case. You know, purpose has to be earned. It's not given. It's, you're not entitled to a purpose. You've got to work for it. You don't just get it. You've got to go out there and actually see what you like. You've got to put the time in, the effort in. You don't just get a, a loving life partner. You've got to put in the work, you know. So you've got to date these things. And so I just recommend start dating things. You don't have to commit to anything. Forget about commitment. Forget about leaving. Just leave all that. Just take it easy and just do some dating on the evenings, some dating on the weekends. See if you like it. If you don't like that thing, date another thing, date another thing. And then eventually they'll step through into it. And then people just need to check where their risk tolerances are because everyone's got a different risk tolerance and yeah. or whatever their threshold is. And for me, I mean, I, I, I just quit my job completely. I had no job. I had $137,000 debt. I had no idea how to do business, but I just knew that if I do it this way, I'm going to be forced to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, that's my risk tolerance. I don't recommend that. I've seen people try to do that. They have nervous breakdowns. So you got to work out what's your strategy. And uh, some people go in the evenings and on weekends. Some people go part-time. Some people try it out full-time. But the key to all of this is action. You've you got to be taking action. There's, a, <laughs> there's another quote uh, that I uh, got from a dear friend of mine. Her name's Natasha Optihip. And um, she was telling me this quote the other day. I just I loved it. She said, um, uh, to dream is not enough. You must act. Without actions, a door is just a wall. And I just, <laughs> I think it's just. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> I like it. It's so simple and so great. <laughs> again, and she's like, she says, she says it again. She goes, Ben, a, a door is just a wall. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> It's just genius. <laughs> yeah, I love it. She puts that so well. That's amazing. <laughs> I love how much you love it, dude. That's brilliant. But I think that's it. You know, like uh, Wayne Dyer, who I got to know over a 20-year period through his workshops and his CDs and chatting with him and stuff, he, he just had, he summed it up very simply. He said, look, the law of attraction, it's wonderful. It's great. Everyone gets into it. But he said, don't ever forget, you can't spell the word attraction without action. Mm. And he'd, he'd draw this line, right? So he'd write the word attraction and he'd draw the line right after the R. So he'd draw a line between A-T-T-R-A-R-C-T-I-O-N. And so he'd split the word attraction in half and he'd say, have a look at the second half of this word it's action. The second half of this word is action. 
And until people work that out, you know, you do have to get your mindset and you do have to imagine what you want and you do have to send it out to the universe, but you've got to take action. Mm. And so you want to have a purpose-driven life. You want to be out there, you know, living an inspired experience. You've got to start dating stuff. You've got to start having a crack. You've got to have a go. And I just recommend, you know, baby steps and lots of If you track all the most successful people in the world that you've ever looked to as someone who's achieved something that you would deem to be superhuman and you watch their life right when they started and you looked at their life every 10 minutes for five straight years, all you will see every 10 minutes is just little actions. That's all they did. They didn't do anything magical. They did a bit of writing. They made a few phone calls. They had a conversation. They ate some breakfast. They slept. They meditated. They walked. It's just a whole bunch of little actions, and they all compounded. None of them did any giant leaps or jumped across this massive chasm. It's all a load of rubbish. Just watch any human in a 10-minute period. You're only going to see little actions. That's it. You don't see anything else. There's nothing unique about it. But they just compound those, and it spits out this magic. I've been uh, interviewing a couple of musicians and it's like, oh, you're so talented. And it's like, I practiced. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 every day. <laughs> but you're so talented. I practiced. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, but really, you're really talented. And it's like, oh my God, they're discounting. I practiced. <laughs> yeah. It's like, when people say, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. I feel like saying, dude. Seriously, that is an insult. You are insulting me. I'm so 15 years of my life, hours a day to be lucky. Getting right? lucky. That's it. Getting lucky to become this overnight success. <laughs> Took 15 years. Well, I think it was um, Marlon Brando. He's got this quote. He goes, it took me 45 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's a, um, there's a lot to speak to that. You know, there's one of my favourite metaphors is, bamboo tree you know apparently you plant the seed five years yeah. of growth five months you get like 30 meters and it's like did it grow in five months or did it grow in five years in five months like up to you to like what you're calling you know in and what you perce- uh, perceive and see man and i feel like i could sit here and actually talk to you all the time talk about the pocket we need more pockets um so, yeah. I'd, love to, <laughs> so I'd love to get you on but i also want to be really mindful of the time and the energy of things and i think there's been so much to take away for the listener and I, I always knew getting you on would be super rewarding for anybody tuning in myself included um and so i'm just really really grateful for Obviously, you know, the 15 years plus that went into you getting super lucky and then sharing that luck with all of us um, and just the humility and the diligence to show up and do the work that you do on yourself to then, you know, inform us to all have better lives as well. It takes a, a certain type of character and I'm really respectful of that and thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Such a treat. Uh, for those wanting to tune in to um, to Ben, uh, I personally, my, my go-to place is www.authentic.com.au. Um, what's the best place you would recommend them to touch in with you? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty simple URL, just the word authentic.com.au. And, and generally, we've, we've got a lot of free stuff there. So plenty of information available. We, we're always, as you know, we run events around Australia all the time, free mm-hmm. one-day events. We've got five different kinds. So we just recommend, you know, come along to our free events, join our communities and just start to get on the journey of, of living your love. But definitely authentic.com.au is, is, is always the go-to place. And uh, when they land there, there's heaps of freebies. So 
I don't normally, I, should, I shouldn't say this. Like, we've got a store, right, online that sells all these products, but I just, I'll tell you the secret. Click around our website long enough and you're going to pretty much find almost every product in our store for free on some <laughs> Save your money, save the money and just click around our site and trust me, you're going to find at, at least 70% of all the stuff in our store, our downloadable CDs that cost you $57.97, all that. You click around long enough, you're going to find them all for free, right? So just... Keep your money, click around, have a read and get as much free stuff out of us as possible. <laughs> this is what doing business from heart, being heart-centered looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, for, uh, just before I tune out, my very last question for every guest on the podcast um, is totally esoteric in its nature um, and beyond um, the purpose, beyond living your love, beyond the name, um, who are you? The light. Mm. Mm. That's it. I think when everyone gets that, that we're all just the light. Like, yeah, that's not even a book. That's just a knowing. I, I know mm-hmm. that we are all made of light. That, that's it. We're all the light. And this is all just a big game. So just start to have some fun. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. It's a game of light. Like, <laughs> Enjoy it. You came here for a reason. You know, you're an infinite being. You get to play this game an infinite number of times. So lighten up and have some fun, you know. Mm, uh, That's what amazing. I recommend. Thank you so much again for your time and your energy here today, brother. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hey tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 